Kodak Warriors, Tansei, Sego, Ani Buju, Quay Nin Deluisi Pampometer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, but at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. And it's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. And today, we are incredibly lucky to speak to a real warrior, an Indigenous trailblazing actress, Tantu Cardinal. And there's a very good reason why Tantu is known as the most widely recognized Native actress of her generation. She has appeared in literally over a hundred movies and television programs. I mean, that's just incredible. And most of you will recognize her from movies like Dances with Wolves, Black Robe, Legends of the Fall, and most recently where she held her own lead role in Falls Around Her. She's also been featured in numerous TV shows like Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, North of 60, Moccasin Flats, Blackstone, Mohawk Girls, and even on Netflix series Frontier. I am her biggest fan. I have grown up and my family has grown up seeing her in just about everything. She's always represented our people well. Welcome to the show, Tantu. Thank you, Pam. <laughs> Thank you. That's quite an so intro. Much. You have to out Longmire and Godless, though. Oh. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. I mean, honestly, I'm such a huge fan and congratulations on literally decades and decades of success. And like I said, representing our people so that we can see ourselves reflected back. And um, I want to give you an, an opportunity to introduce, introduce yourself the way you like to do it. You know, your background, where you're from, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, Let's see, that, uh, that opportunity doesn't arise very often. <laughs> uh, um, I like to say that I'm uh, Métis by culture. Uh, I was raised by my grandmother in uh, Anzac, which is northern Alberta. And so the language that I heard when I was a kid was Cree and some Dene, because my grandmother was uh, Cree and Dene. And her dad was Nakota. And interestingly enough, um, we grew up with the Catholic Church there, but not with our Indigenous culture. So uh, I didn't even know. Like when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time talking to the birds and the wind. And those were, you know, it was a world of imagination. And that's where my playmates came from and all this kind of stuff. And so when I was leaving Anzac at the age of 15 to go to high school in Edmonton, there was a little lament in my heart uh, that that would be gone. And then when I got to the city and started meeting all these other Indians, as we used to call them, Indians <laughs> and half-breeds, we used to be called, back in that day in 1968, maybe, um, we, uh, and then I started finding out about our natural uh, religion, uh, religion for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. our spirituality, our relationship with natural forces, our relationship, that's why they're called our relatives, the, the winged ones and those in the water and the four-legged and, and the planets, the sun and, and stars and our relatives in the star world. It was so exciting to start finding out the truth of that, those things that were hidden from me when I was a kid, they were, they were there intuitively, mm -hmm. and they were there kind of under a blanket, in the shadows. Um, if if uh, my grandmother didn't catch me, I would be able to hear stories, and sometimes visitors would come to our house, and they would talk about things that were amazing and mystical and magical, and, and I loved, it was almost like sniffing around the elders that would, that would mm -hmm. come by when I was a kid, because sometimes I, I, wouldn't, I didn't understand Dene. Um, 
when they would speak in Creed, there would be words that I didn't really understand and I practiced getting a sense of what it was they were talking about. I had to absorb as much as I could while they were there because my grandmother would not give me answers to my questions. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't find anybody to give me answers to my questions. And later on in my life, uh, I heard that the reason that I didn't get answers to my questions is because I was in training <laughs> to find my own answers. <laughs> Isn't that the way with family, yeah. especially grandmothers and elders? They don't just let you have it that easy. No, uh -uh, they just go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a really amazing diverse upbringing. I mean, Indigenous in the whole sense of being from so many different Indigenous backgrounds. But those backgrounds weren't present. Yeah. Those were hidden. Mm -hmm. Those were discoveries that I made on my path mm -hmm. uh, when I left the community. My, my grandmother is very tight-lipped about who we are and where we came from. And um, uh, I remember when this new teacher came into our community, he wanted us to do a project of who our grandparents were and our great-grandparents, mm -hmm. you know, as if we would know all that stuff handily. And maybe some did, but um, I took that um, assignment home and my grandmother just threw it. And uh, she figured that people were just being too nosy, no, none of anybody's business. And then I found out later, <laughs> it was because her dad was considered a renegade. My great-grandfather was considered a renegade. Oh, my. Because he was one of Big Bear's tribe. Oh. And, and he, he refused to stay after Big Bear was forced to sign treaty. Mm -hmm. and, and, and everybody knew. The, the way that people were treated after signing those treaties. Poundmaker um, talked about that. And it, it, it was everywhere. I mean, they, how Big Bear ended up signing was because children were being mm -hmm. starved in front of him. And that's how that happened. And that's when my, my grandfather left, great-grandfather left and, and uh, went west. He wound up in what was called Sarsi country at the time, Sutana, and he started a family there. He wound up being called, uh, the, that family is called uh, McGinnis. He was called Mikonis, which was uh, Eagle Plume. Mm. And, and then uh, the RCMP got wind that there was a, a renegade there, and he had to split in the middle of the night so that family there didn't even know where he went. And the only reason I found any of that out is because my granny, who, who really loved um, my, my first husband, who's, who is a friend, um, Fred, was learning Cree from her. And he put together Big Bear. And all these stories came pouring out that none of us heard. I had never heard of it. And... Um, and they were, she thought they were just stories that her dad was telling her. And they were historical events, historical wow. events. Yeah. And, that, and it took Fred learning Cree from her to learn that. So uh, wow. I didn't grow up with all of it. The, it. the genocide is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we're, we're all colonized. Yes, yes, and, and that tactic, and I found it just so uh, revealing and, and a relief, really, when old man Trudeau admitted openly that the way you strengthen a country is through the arts and culture. Mm -hmm. And that's where CRTC came along, because I knew it, you know, I just knew it in my bones and my blood that the tactic to outlaw our languages and outlaw everything about us was to really continue to destroy us. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so for me, that was a truth. That was, uh, I love it, truth. Truth yeah. is very exciting. Yeah, well, and it's, it's a story of, 
you know, decolonization and revitalization be long before anyone was even speaking those words. I mean, we were living that. I mean, your story sounds like my father who used to, you know, he used to feel bad that he couldn't speak the Mi'kmaq language and pass it on to us. But that was because his mother, who was fluent and all of her sisters and family were fluent, refused to speak it and share it with their kids because she kept saying, this will only bring you heartache and pain. Yes. And, and he, you know, we all had to do our own discoveries. Uh, you know, some people are fortunate they get, they're raised in a very traditional way, but many of us, because of colonization, have had to find those discoveries later. And yours is a beautiful story of that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just so grateful that you know, it's odd to say that my grandmother felt more comfortable speaking Cree than English. So she spoke Cree around the house. And when our Dene relatives would come and visit, she would speak Dene. And Dene was her secret language. That's why she didn't allow me to, to know any Dene. She had relatives that came from her mother's side, would come and visit us. And when they would, uh, you know, they might be talking Cree. Then they slip into Dene, and I know I'm missing something. <laughs> but she wouldn't allow me to speak Cree, and because of that, awesome. uh, you know, she never expressed it that way. Yeah. But um, that, that, that was the truth of it. It brought them so much heartache. I, I mean, I, I was doing mm -hmm. some interviews with some elders, some Métis elders, mm -hmm. and I always remember this, this old woman saying that when she went to residential school, they, um, she, she was heard speaking her language, and she was made to kneel in front of the classroom with a brand new clothespin <gasps> on her tongue. Oh. And there she is, just, just drool pouring on the floor. That's what they did to us. Yeah. Well, and it's no wonder then that some of our grandparents and aunties and uncles said, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't learn this. Yeah. I they mean, didn't want it, pain for us. No, they didn't. And, and it, they were so brutal that, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure you've heard this, Pam, my, mm -hmm. one of my favorite stories about why we're outlawed in, in, in the Cree word for fire is uh, escoteo. And it's made up of two words, uh, esco, which is woman, and mete, which is heart. So fire is the woman's heart. And, and then the stories go to talk about the fire at the core of Mother Earth. And wow. now, yes, now that fire is burning up the mm. Amazon <laughs> and Siberia. And, you know, yep. who are these people? Who are they? It's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, I, I like I had never heard that story before, but it just gave me chills when you said it, because I also think about the heart that's within Indigenous women who are also leading the resistance, trying to protect our lands and territories and our peoples and our children and and our babies. That's right, because we're connected to that pulse as yep. much as they tried to destroy us. Yep. We are still connected to that. And and you're you're a huge part of that because one thing about in instilling pride in our people and you know being pride that we're sovereign and we're independent and we have beautiful faces, beautiful places, and beautiful cultures and customs is actually seeing each other and and seeing ourselves reflected and and as you know. For decades, you didn't see us reflected anywhere except maybe a bad media story. But then there were always people like you who were in, you know, movies or on on television and and reflecting us. And we could see our faces back in you. And I and I'm just wondering, how did you go from, you know, um, you know, growing up to getting into acting? What was your pull? Rage. I was absolutely enraged at the way our people were 
Uh, I'm sorry, I catch this. Yes. It, it, oh, God. So the deep hurt and the loneliness and uh, the injustice of the way that we were de depicted. When I came to the city, it was 1965. And, and I really, I mean, I could sense it when I was a kid back in my own community, though we were the majority, there were a few uh, white people and I can only pick out one. Those people that came to our community knew that they depended on us. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, but the, there was one guy in particular, I mean, he actually had the audacity to walk into our house and try to pretend to discipline my brother. Uh, yeah, and oh, my grandmother got up and threw his big ass out the door. <laughs> you know, Good for him. Yeah, and another time, but this time it was one of our own who came to the house. Of course, he had to wait until he was drunk, and and give my grandmother shit because she refused welfare. She absolutely refused welfare. We were we were hungry. And, uh, but she sewed and we cleaned the schools. And I mean, she was so bad. <laughs> she, when it was time for her old age pension, she was going to refuse it. And her daughter said, you take that. You earn that. <laughs> she, you know, that's, that's from the blood of her dad, you know, just Aww. not wanting to have anything to do with this government in yeah. her own way. And, uh, so anyway, so uh, is I that, was headed somewhere. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, is that part of the reason why you got into acting? Were you, were, you yes. know, trying to kind of resist yes. the way we're depicted? Yes, yes, yes. It, it was wanting to bring some truth forward. And I figured, and I refused to go to further education. This was before there were posters about us, before there were real cool quotes from, mm -hmm. you know, Chief Seattle or any of yeah. that stuff. The movement in the 60s was really helpful. You know, those hippies, they, they like that Indian stuff and, and our, our uh, fellow Indians over there in San Francisco, you know, Floyd Westerman and mm -hmm. Charlie and those guys. And the, the, the guys who were active in the 50s and the 60s, and, um, and I say guys because the women weren't visible mm -hmm. at that time. You know, we knew within our communities, but the visibility, where are the quotes from the women? Mm -hmm. You know, all that stuff was missing. And um, so it, it, there was just a burning need to do something, but I wasn't going to go to their education and lay myself out for more manipulation. I was just that, mm -hmm. that rage, eh? And, um, and it was our dear brother, our dear soul brother, Harry Daniels, who, <laughs> um, who got me my first job with CBC and also Jeff Howard from uh, Alberta Native Communication Society gave me this opportunity um, to act in these industrial films, whether they were 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then a half hour fire prevention. And it was just like a duck to water. And where I got that feeling was from the, the, the job that Harry got me in. And, and the reason he put down my name is because I was involved in the native youth at that time. And he knew that I could stand up in front of people and talk and say things. Uh, and that I would, that was from my aunts and, and uh, people in the community pushing me first onto the dance floor, pushing <laughs> me first through a door, you know? <laughs> and so I later learned to push myself into some place that that was unfamiliar and kind of scary and all this kind of stuff i just could not did not have time for it and i would push myself and um so this was the opportunity that came and the wardrobe that i wore was a 150 year old dress from um our our now late grandmother Vicki Crowchild, 
who lent that dress to the production for me to wear. And then later I found out that my great-grandfather had come through that community. And it just, I was just amazed to think maybe my great-grandfather helped get that dress off at one point or or had had at least seen it, you know? So, and, and with, for somebody who had no sense of history, no sense of culture, it fed me. It, it, it was wow. water to my roots to, to be a part of that moment. Wow. I mean, that's, what an incredible story to have. And to know that, you know, Harry Daniels helped you get your first job. I mean, Harry Daniels is so iconic in, yeah. you know, just native politics in general. Um, and, you know, trying to dispense with all the political lines of status, non-status, on reserve, off reserve, Métis. He was just totally for the people. So I, yes. I can totally see him doing that. Yeah, he's heart and soul. And he could jig like a son of a gun. <laughs> I love that man so much. He's wow. Done so much. Yeah. That's amazing. So your your first roles, your first kind of getting into, you know, acting and that kind of thing, were they almost all primarily representing indigenous people? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. To yeah. this day, it's very very difficult for me to be considered just a regular human being, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have to have I have to have Mogasins on in that sense. Yeah. And, and now I'm, I'm really identified that way. So if I'm ever cast outside of being necessarily native, um, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure I'm not remembering something where I have been cast. Um, as a human being, I don't know. I, I, I am going to get to the point where I will do some writing and record my path and my journey along this acting world, uh, because my, my opportunities come from other people's opportunities and, and my opportunity to bring a new image or a new idea or a new understanding is really dependent on the fellow creators, you know, the writers, the directors, the producers, those people. So in many ways, uh, my choice of, of acting is in some ways, really limiting to what I feel was necessary and important. So there was a lot of frustration along my path because of that. My, I feel like my hands were tied. But, you know, the exciting thing about, like, your generations and is that you guys went and got education. And, and you carried yourselves and you carried our culture and our history you dug it up and and you brought these things forward and that's food for for everyone else for the rest of us and then and then we can decide is this a colonized idea colonization is everywhere mm-hmm. everywhere it's in our ceremonies and I mean, it's yeah it's it's uh, it's pervasive. It, it so, is. It's hard to even recognize. It's hard to know what in our head was placed there generations ago that we don't even know. You know, yeah. that's that's the hard part. But, you know, you're you're talking about, you know, your opportunities coming from the opportunities of others and fellow creators. And one of the things I was going to say was that what I really like about your social media, the platforms that you're on, is that every time I look at your posts, what I see is that you're lifting up the work of other Indigenous peoples, whether it be a new Native documentary or someone who's working on a film, an Indigenous book or artwork, and and even lifting up you know, Indigenous women activists. And to me, you set a really good example of how we can use individual success, not just for ourselves, but to help create success for others. And I was wondering what, you know, how important you think that is um, for Indigenous women to continue to support, you know, each other's work in all the different fields, be it art or, or activism or education. 
Well, I, I think it's crucial. Absolutely. Because everybody's doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Even if it's nothing, then that's the best they can do right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so much healing to, to get after. Right within our own individual system of our heart, soul, mind, and body, in our families, in our communities, in our nations, in our relationships with uh, our other relatives, not only the ones that we we you know, dearly call our relatives, the four legs, the winged ones, and mm-hmm. and and the planets and stars and all of that, but uh, our other cultures of people who have lost their connection with the Mm -hmm. earth, who Mm -hmm. have become obstructive because of it. But, you know, and the effort that there's so much heart and soul that's that's going in uh, and coming out of people's lives that if if it if it's just to share that, you know, just a click to let people know it's happening. Mm-hmm. There's so much racism going on, you know, so much. The, the people on the outside of our quest for decolonization are catching wind that they also have to decolonize. So we, you know, we've got something going on. And, and if we can share the work that other people are doing, it gives hope, I think, to, to other people that might be kind of, what, what can I do? It's too big. I can't mm-hmm. do anything. You know, even if it's to see what somebody else is doing and, and to think, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that what other people are doing is encouraging people to do simple things right within their own home, maybe, or maybe yeah. grand things. Uh, to go and and do something that's that's huge. Uh, kids are inventing things. We're getting a new generation of young people coming in that are doing uh, incredible things. They're coming ready. We're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, warriors. We have um, people that are ready to roll as as soon as they're coming into to this layer of existence. You know. And uh, if 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 that helps, and there's always the naysayers, you know. Oh, that I, you know, this woman says, well, you know what? I don't care to hear anything about the CBC. What's going on on CBC? She was criticizing my posts, eh? Or my (laughs) reposts, really. And um, and then I think, well, you know what? You you have access to that. There are many people in the states, for example that don't have access to those stories. And what's going on in Canada is food for what's going on in the States and what's going on in the States could be food for what's going on in Canada. And I'm quite, I'm a dual citizen actually. And, um, and so I, you know, I have a, a, a place to see where, where both sides are uh, happening. Like last night, I was at a dinner at the Canadian Consul, and he put together a dinner for Jason Ryle last night. And, and, and here was a real, um, just a small table, maybe 25 people at the most. No, that, not that many people. But, you know, somebody from Disney who, who kind of, uh, is he's got his feelers out all over the communities and and trying to connect people and and do things. Uh, there's a, a uh, I guess what is it? It's an effort for to uh, against bullying mm-hmm. and and promoting kindness and and different things like that. And he may be involved in something like that. You know, uh, here was a a, a dinner where there are people from Canada and the U.S. That are, that are coming together, and they're all in the arts, and they're all creating uh, stories. So that work is going on. Mm-hmm. And I think we have uh, a responsibility to be aware of what everyone is doing so that we can be empowered and we can be hopeful and, uh, and we can share that with each other. 
Well, and, and I think, that, you know, that kind of positive message of hope and encouragement, um, you know, is is something that, you know, young people really want to hear, too. And it's one of the things that I really like about social media. I mean, with any tool, it has its bad and it's good. But the one thing about social media is that you can you can see what our people are doing and where they are and what they're saying. And, you know, another thing I noticed about your social media is you don't shy away from retweeting or posting stories and commentary on issues that are important to us, legal issues, political, cultural issues, you know, people out there defending our lands. And, and I'm wondering, like, how important you think it is for Native youth to be able to hear from role models like you? I think that it's important because I was certainly empowered by, um, by the elders, you know, mm -hmm. people who were, you know, that when I first went to the city in Edmonton and, and went to the Friendship Centre to see what was going on over there, there were people who had, for example, grade four education or grade two education or, you know, very limited resources with which they were fighting for change. They're making change. They created organizations like the Voice of Alberta Native Women Society mm. and, and the people who created the Métis Association and the Indian Association and all these organizations and the Friendship Center itself. These were not people of, of high estate, you know? Mm -hmm. These were people that had heart. It's heart and soul and spirit that were the foundations for so much of of what we have today. And those are the people that inspired me. I remember being at a, a women's conference and Rose Yellowfeet, who is this Blackfoot woman who had uh, brought herself off of the street coming to a, a conference and she was now in leadership um, to, to talk about those experiences. And that's before, like when my mother um, came to the, the Edmonton mm -hmm. back in 55, probably, maybe 54, uh, because she had to leave very young when uh, she got pregnant with my brother, who is six years younger than me. Um, so I guess it was 56 then, 55. Um, there was no services available. Yeah. She, you know, we almost lost my brother because she couldn't care for him. She was working as a, as a chambermaid and she couldn't support him. He was in a day foster home. She had to go visit him in a foster home. And then when she got pregnant with my sister, she, you know, oh God, to see her little handwriting on that, on those adoptions papers. Mm. Why are you giving up your child? because I can't support her. I can't take care of her, you know? And there was nothing for women. And there was that 60 scoop making sure there's yep. nothing available for our women. And, and I just found my sister in 2010. And uh, I've, I've seen her a couple of times and I met my niece. And uh, so now that I'm in LA, um, I am... She wants to come and visit because she was raised in San Jose and now I'm much more accessible. So she and her partner and my niece and my little grand nephew are, are going to be coming to visit in October. So I'm hoping some of my family will be making it down. We'll get an Airbnb and, and we'll, uh, we're still patching our, our families together. You know, mm. we're, we're constantly doing that. Well, that's that's uh, that's the impact of colonization. It wasn't just language and culture; it was family and relations and connections. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I w I was um, you know, as I'm listening to you speak throughout this interview, I know you know we we've still have lots of issues. We still have we're still facing colonization, and in fact, 
as you know, the National Inquiry into Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women and Girls said we're also still facing genocide. And so many First Nations are facing rampant rates of imprisonment and foster care, violence against women, and and racism, not just from the government, but from some people in society. And But I know that there's a cohort of youth here that are really struggling to find their way despite all of these difficulties. And I'm wondering, do you have any advice for them on how they can realize their dreams and whatever it is, despite, you know, the really oppressive forces of, of colonization? Um, you know, I, I am kind of in a place now where it's amazing me in that I feel like uh, I've got a sense of home. That's what your dreams are. That's what your hopes are. That's what those things that just drive you crazy. I mean, literally crazy. Uh, I spent some time in bare feet and no particular place to go. I was sick with colonialism and oppression and uh, and some would diagnose it as bipolar or uh, personality mm-hmm. disorder, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw it as sanity because the, the truth of what makes you crazy mm-hmm. is where the gems of understanding are. And don't ever believe that what you're feeling and the impulses of of what you feel that you can do or need to do are invalid. That's valid. Whether it actually turns out the way you envision it is immaterial. That it propels you in a direction to find out more about who you are, about more about what you think and feel and what you want to do. And you will feel this is not enough. This is this. And other people might even say, you know, why don't you do something useful? Other people, you know, if they got the time to do that, they're taking time away from something that they should be doing. So yeah, always remember, it's not about blood quotient. Yep. It's not about, it's not even about who you know. It's about who you are and your ancestors, your guidance. You might call it angels. You might call it grandmothers. You might call it soul force, whatever you call it, there is a creative Mm -hmm. energy force that is the core to our even being here. And that for you to be created needs friction. Yeah. So don't be worried about friction or those battles. That's, That's a place to view, just to have a good look. And, and make it a positive thing. You know, don't believe those deep, dark stories that mm-hmm. come from the past because bring that light in, the light of who we are. You know, my grandmother took me to the gates with her. And what was there was light, balls of light around her. Those are our relatives. Those are our ancestors balls of light we are light even as we sit here and um and that has to be honored so um i've always tried to maintain contact with my ancestors and it's very difficult sometimes Mm -hmm. because we lose hope and we sway and we swing and we go back and forth and we spend time in darkness until we learn from that. And then we come back out into the, into the shade and the gray, and then we try some light for a while mm-hmm. and then we get burnt. And, <laughs> it's, and, and you know, life is constantly moving like the water, be like water. And um, yeah, that, that's what I would say that that's the only way that I've been able to make it through. Um, and and it, in my post, um, um, I'll very often, I just repost, 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 because I don't think it's important what I have to say about it. What's, what's being said in the article itself, 
mm-hmm. is, is what's important. So that's why I very rarely make any comments because so what, you know, and um, it's hopefully it's information yeah. that, that that's going forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, that's such a powerful and inspiring message that, you know, realizing your dreams as a young Native person here on Turtle Island isn't about stuff. It isn't about a certain place in society. It isn't what other people think. It really is about who you are on the inside. And I think it's actually that strength and that light that you talk about, the love that we, you know, have from our ancestors. That's what's gotten us through genocide. That's what's made us survive until today. And I think, you know, the more that youth hear that, that it's it's not an external thing to go and look for. It's not a job. It's not a car. It's it's actually on the inside. And that's your journey and, you know, your place to find that light. I think that's that's incredibly powerful and something more and more of our youth, you know, need to hear. Because there's a lot of noise on social media. There's a lot of good on social media. But there's also a lot of noise. And it's kind of wading through all of that. And I yes. think just... Focusing on us is pretty amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, just just before um, we end our podcast, I wanted to also ask you about, you know, what your current projects are or upcoming projects, anything you're allowed to share with us. I know sometimes you're not allowed to say too much, but um, what you're working on now or what could be upcoming. Well, that's what I'm saying you know, the place of home changes as you go through life. Mm -hmm. And I was born in Fort McMurray. And you know the story of Fort McMurray. I went back uh, on a trip when I was when I turned 30. Um, And I saw the devastation. I I knew of it and it and repulsed me. And uh, I, I didn't want to go back there. I just was not moved to go be a part of that because there wasn't much. I didn't hear much about this is not right. And I didn't feel like being in the middle of picking up the paycheck, say. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about it. I considered it. And, do you know, my ancestors stepped in and they said, do you want to be a part of destroying the earth or do you want to trust? that you are creating something in your life that you can work with. As I I had come back from Fort McMurray and I had a choice of three jobs that I could pick and I was going up this escalator because someone had called me from up there and I go up and there is Phil Fraser and all the people that I knew in the Alberta film industry having their awards night. And, And there my decision was made. But I had to find another way of connecting with the earth because everywhere I went when I went back and visited my home was taken up. And so what I started to practice that wherever I was, wherever I went to work, I would connect with that earth there. I would connect with that fire there. And so that where I am on the earth, is is where I am and that my home really is internal and all these hopes and dreams that I had they were actually visions because I here I am in LA why would I feel at home in LA it's because what brought me here and the energy surrounding me being here. I found a beautiful place to live for an incredible price that I could know ne- I couldn't normally live in a nice home. And it's it's so comfortable and so nice. I can't believe it sometimes. And the work that I'm being asked to do is with some really progressive um hearted creatives and i can talk about it because it's called stump town and they're doing so much publicity on this show that (laughs) (laughs) i we shot a pilot and i haven't had a chance to work it i'll be working next week 
So I'll be starting up and, and we're premiering on September the 25th on ABC. Uh, so it's a Disney Channel and, and I think it's raucous and I think it's, it's a lot of fun and I'm really looking forward to what I'm going to be asked to do. And, and consider this, Pam, I'm a woman of a certain age <laughs> and, and the opportunities are just flowing. And there I heard from uh, my cousin Lauren, Lauren Cardinal, who's going to New York. He's going to do something on a series. And Nathaniel thought that I was in New York and he contacted me. He's doing something on a series. And, you know, we are our actors, our performers, and and I met a director. I don't I think she's Navajo. I'm not quite sure what her nation is. And she's directing episodics after doing her own feature. And Darlene Nepons, who did Falls Around Her, was here at the dinner. She's getting some, uh, some profile. And you know what? It's happening. If you're an artist, you're an actor, you have dreams, carry on, carry on strong. You know, our storytelling is a source of strength. It has been a source of strength for us as, as we've been coming to this place that we are now. And it is fundamental to all cultures. And that is what we had to keep us going. And through the ceremonies, kept our stories and our songs and all of that. And uh, a part of what I'm doing is I am preparing uh, to create a school, a film acting school. So, you know, wow. You know, people might think that I'm dead and I don't do nothing. They, they don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody thinks that. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I get that feeling, you know, some of these. Uh, anyway, carry on. No, that's I mean, wow, that's amazing. So I, I had wondered about Stumptown because I saw some stuff on social media. So I'm glad uh, you told us that it's premiering in September. And um, hopefully there's a way for us to access it here through our cable channels. Um, I and think CTV might be doing it. Okay, okay, good. I think so, because yeah. they were part of the, the publicity over here. I'm sure they, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure then, my uh, other actors got so tired of it. They were yeah, just, exactly. No, that yeah. would be awesome, you know, for, for us to be able to see that. And, you know, film acting school, that's, that's just, to me, that just illustrates more of who you are. You're just pay it forward, support other people, share what you learn. I mean, that just... You continue to inspire with the things that you're doing. And I can't thank you enough for doing this. I mean, even coming on my podcast is a form of, you know, supporting me and all of the viewers and all of the youth who are listening to this podcast, who are looking for, you know, messages of hope from the people that they look up to, to the people that they consider to be warriors. I really appreciate that you you know, shared your knowledge and experience and your insights, especially the part about, you know, how you found this sense of home and looking internally to who you are. That's probably the most powerful message for me today. And I know I'm, I'm quite honored. And I know the, the podcast listeners, when they hear this, they're going to feel the same too. And, and uh, I also want to give a thank you to all of the listeners for tuning into this show and for engaging in conversation around these podcasts. And I mean, it was actually the listeners who are saying, oh, can you get Tantu Cardinal? She would just be so amazing. I mean, more and more youth want to see more and more Indigenous women in these, you know, leadership roles. And and you're one of those leaders. Um, so thank you. And I, and I hope that I can have you back again on this podcast. Well, thank you so much, Pam. Uh, there's one thing that I do want to say to mm -hmm. to young people when mm -hmm. uh, people say have dreams. Um, within your dreams, it's you know, dreams might be a strong word for some, mm -hmm. but those those inklings, those things that uh, that that stoke a fire inside of you. 
um, it's not just dreams, it's not just hope, it's not just imagination. It is what you came into this life with to make healthy and make strong and, mm -hmm. and um, uh, show you who you are. Mm -hmm. So never give up on that. And thank you, Pam, so much for what you do. I so appreciate, um, you know, your commentaries and, and your activism and, and your warriorhood and, and everyone out there. Yes. Two fist <laughs> raise. Two fist raise. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was an honor. And to all the listeners, I really hope you enjoyed listening to Tantu Cardinal. She is such an incredible warrior and, and representation of our people. Um, what I'll do is I'll post a link to her biography and filmography in my description. And when she has future information about her website and other projects, I'll post those links too, so that you can see her many contributions. And don't forget to check out her latest feature film. It's called Falls Around Her. You can check it out at TIFF. Uh, you can check it out. It's streaming now on Crave uh, in Canada. Or you can go to their Facebook page. It's called Falls Around Her. And they post updates about where you can access this amazing movie. You've got to see it. If you liked this podcast episode, please consider supporting it by subscribing, liking, sharing it with all your family and friends on social media, and make sure to leave us your um, show ideas in the comments section. I'm currently hosted on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, but you can also follow me on Instagram as Pam underscore Palmeter as I talk about warrior living or my videos on YouTube where I tackle some of the really difficult political and legal issues facing our people. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walaliag.